You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. A group over here. So a friend of mine is a worship pastor at a Baptist church. I mean, like Baptist church. You know I mean, they like put Baptist in Baptist, you know what I mean? And uh, he loves it. He's, they do hymns and all that kind of stuff. And every once in a while, somebody said, or they do courses and all that kind of stuff. Every once in a while, someone will say, hey, can we do hymns? You know, Jesus used to sing hymns and all that. And um, so anyway, he, was, he got to preach a couple of weeks ago and um, talk about worship. And so I was, you know, he was telling me a little bit about what he preached on and stuff. And he said, I even ventured into talking about expressing yourself in worship, that there's postures in worship. They're actually in the Bible, you know, raising your hand as a surrender and, you know, bowing down all this different stuff. And I was like, dude, I like, were you like Baptist in this deal or were you like biblical? And he's like, what? And I was like, listen, because if you're like really biblical, you'll like talk to him about David and David got naked and danced before God. And so you tell him, hey, listen, if you want to be biblical, that's another place. But right here, we're going to be Baptist. So raise your hands because if not naked people are going to start showing up. And he's like, oh, Lord, uh, yeah, we don't, we're not having no naked people. So anyway, so here's what it means is this is I love the fact that you're gathered here and you're ready to experience community. As, as Tim talked about everywhere we go, Jesus is there. If you've said yes to him, he takes, he's taken residence with inside of you. So when you go to work, you go to school, you do whatever you do, the spirit of God, the temple of God is there. That's a place of worship. But when we come to gather here, there's just an energy because of the spirit in agreement. It's like we walk in the spirit. It's like, yes, 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 yes. All these deposits of the spirit in us are just energize the place. And so, um, and donuts and coffee don't hurt, right? So anyway, um, today we're going to do something a little different. You know, normally I'll, we'll dig into a passage and kind of talk about some other things to support that today. I've got a whole bunch of passages. And so those of you that are studious, you're not going to probably be able to keep up flipping back and forth through your Bibles. So in your um, programs as you came in, there are notes. Just kind of write them down and you can go back later on and read them. Um, they'll all be on the screen though, okay? All right. So today we're continuing our series Daily reminders, and as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about um, in today's sermon is going to be talking about daily reminders of having to serve or having the opportunity to serve, and so um, that's the, the main idea is serving. But in my adult life, I've had several jobs. Actually, my first ministry job, I was 18 years old. Um, I was a youth pastor, and there were actually students in the youth ministry older than I was, um, which was kind of cool and interesting. But all the, almost all of my adult jobs, um, obviously including pastor, the main objective of the job or the main requirement of the job was serving. Like it was a, it was a, a, a job of service is the number one thing. And so um, whether and obviously as a pastor, that's the main calling is I'm to serve. As Jesus even talked about, we're here to, to wash the feet. Um, to be the leader of, a, of an organization like this means you're the lead foot washer. You're the lead servant. So what does that look like? And so my main objective is to serve you. You know, that's the things that, that keep me up awake at night is, is things about you individually, as a family, as a church family, even serving the community. And it's that old adage that Theodore Roosevelt said, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And so that's a part of pastoring. That's a part of just life. And Pastoring is a 24-7 job. Um, people have, you know, have called me at 3 in the morning and said, are you awake? And I'm like, 
I am now, you know, like it just is what it is. And it's, it's a love and, and, but there is, it's a, can be burdensome, right? In, in that love. And so, but that's one of the serving jobs I've had. Another serving job that I had was I waited tables in college. And uh, if you've ever waited tables, that's a blessing and a curse at the same time. I mean, if I were to boil down the thesis of that is in general, what I learned, at least where I was serving tables in a college town, those that had the most money tipped the least. Um, so I would actually, when doctors and lawyers and all those people came in, I learned my lesson and I was the head waiter and I was like, awesome, you get this person. And then others, I would wait on them um, because I needed money. All right. And so I would serve. But then as a part of that waiting and serving, like your deal is to care for the needs of other people and the best waiters and waitresses, what do they do? They actually see your needs before you even know that you need them. Like they see that you need a, some more tea. They see that you need a coffee or they ask some questions to see how they can serve you and care for your needs. Because I know we go out to eat more than what we used to. But back in the day when you would go out to eat, it was a special time. And so you wanted to be cared for. And so that was one of my jobs. I also had an adult job of um, working at a camp, much like Camp Tejas. It was called Brookhaven. It's in Hawkins, Texas, which is just north of Tyler. Um, God's country, I guess. And um and so I served there, and, and man, that's a serving job. If you've ever served at a camp, like you're you're the lowliest of the lowliest. And so um, we would serve meals, we would clean toilets, we would clean, and we wouldn't do those at the same time, serve meals and toilets, but uh, we would wash our hands and gloves and stuff. Um, that would be a whole other thing. Um, but you know, like a kid comes to camp and their parents aren't there, and they found the Coke and candy machine, and so they get sick. Guess who's got to clean that? Um, they're away from their parents and a kid has an accident because they've had too much caffeine or sugar. And so they wet the bed. Guess who gets to clean that? Um, you know, all these different things. And then after they leave, you have to clean the entire camp before the next group comes in. And so you're, and guess what? Their parents weren't there. So their parents didn't make them clean up. So it's nasty. All right. And so that was, that was a, a job of serving. And then one of my other jobs as an adult was I actually worked at a, a facility for specially abled adults. And so I, my job was during the shifts that I was there during the week, I was dad and we had a mom. And so we would care for our group. There were 12 in our family and um, I would make sure that they got to eat, make sure that they got to their job, make sure they did all the different things that they could do. And again, they're adults and there are different levels of stuff. But um, you get to see in those moments, you get to see as you care for those people, the divine image in everyone. Um, you get to see how <laughs> no mistakes are made. And I know that culture says differently, but it's not true. So anyway, one of the main drivers in all of these jobs that I was reminded of was that serving others is divine work, no matter where and when. And we're most like Jesus when we serve others. We put our agenda, we put our purpose, we put our needs, our conveniences, everything about ourselves. We set that aside to serve other people. And we're more like Jesus in those moments than any other time. Last week, I taught you a new word, and we're going to carry this word for a few weeks, and that word was Kavanaugh. You remember that word, Kavanaugh? So let's say that together, Kavanaugh, all right? You got to, with that K, you kind of get a good spit coming out, clear out your lungs. Um, COVID's gone right now, Kavanaugh, all right? And so as you do that, that is this idea that our heart and our mind are directed toward God, so that in Christ... Everywhere we go and everything we do, it should be our hearts and our minds are in Kavanaugh. They're directed toward God. Because 
When you said yes to Jesus, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, has taken residence with inside of you so that everywhere you go, everything you do, the Spirit of God is there and it is a place of worship. Now we gather here to worship, to sing and to listen and to be together. All of this is worship. But even when you go to work and school in the midst of Kavanaugh, worship is happening. So this morning, I want us to think about this idea of Kavanaugh and how we need to set a daily reminder to Kavanaugh and to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind, and that we do that by loving our neighbor. And so whenever Jesus was teaching on that, his neighbor, when he talked about neighbor, he wasn't just talking about the people you like next to. He was also talking about we should even love our enemy if they happen to live next door to us. And so that's this idea of serving. So the first thing that I want you to get this morning is that service is necessary. That service is necessary. That we are, again, most like God. We are most like Jesus when we are serving. And for us in Christ, serving is necessary because we're acting and looking and thinking and loving like our Father and like Jesus as our model. Even we see in Joshua chapter 24, we see that God has given us provision. He's brought us out of slavery into the promised land so that we can be servants. Now, that sounds weird because in Egypt they were servants, but they didn't get to choose. Now, in the promised land, they have the choice. And so part of the story of the Hebrew people is they were in Egypt and they were enslaved, and they spent so much time among a people group that they began to adopt their ways and to adopt their gods. And so now they had a new way of living that didn't honor the one God, Yahweh. And now, so they're moving out of Egypt and they're moving into the promised land. And so Joshua kind of draws a line in the sand and say, hey, listen, God has taken us from slavery and from this other place to now the promised land. Here's the line in the sand. Who are you going to worship? Who are you going to serve? Matter of fact, some of you even have this in your house. I've been in your houses and you've got this little thing that says Joshua twenty four fifteen. As for me and my house, we will. Yeah. And that's the context is that, listen, I used to be in slavery, but now I'm in the promised land. I used to be a slave because I was forced to be. But now I'm a lead servant because I'm in the promised land. And because of the God that I worship, I have the freedom to choose to serve other people where once I didn't. So Joshua 24, 15, 14 and 15 says this. So fear the Lord, which is a reverence for him. Okay. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Kavanaugh. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. So even y'all remember in the story they were coming out of Egypt and they'd begun the journey, been going for a little bit. And then Moses went up to the top of the mountain and he was having a conversation with God and God was chiseling away on the Ten Commandments. Y'all remember Charlton Heston doing that? All right. It was so long ago, it was in black and white. I mean, that's crazy. And so they're having that happen. And then what's happening down on the mountaintop is that Aaron, who's the chief priest, and the others are like, hey, listen, God is being silent. Like, why isn't Moses coming down and talking to us and, and, and encouraging us? And so they just kind of get, and so what do they do? They go back to their old ways and to their old gods. The chief god in Egypt that they would have worshipped would have been the god of Ra, the god of fertility, which the symbol of that is a bull, a calf. And so they were recreating that, all right? So that's why Moses, one of the reasons whenever Moses came down, he got angry because he's like, why would you go back to these old ways when you're already experiencing the freedom that we have in Yahweh? So serve the Lord alone. Verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates 
Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in the land you now live, which is the promised land? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So it's necessary because of God's provision. He's taken us from slavery to freedom. It's also necessary because of Jesus. Luke 4, 8, Jesus replied. He had been asked some questions and he replied, The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Of course, he's quoting from Deuteronomy 6, chapter 4, which you've learned is the Shema. All right, so Jewish people every single day when they get up, they quote the Shema. Some of you have heard it as Shema, but it's Shema. All right, and so he, they pray that at the beginning of the day, the end of the day. They have it in scrolls as they leave their house. There's little scrolls, and inside of that is the Shema. They have their phylacteries, so when they go to pray, they have the little boxes, um, right? And so Jesus would have walked around throughout the day. He had had a phylactery, and inside that phylactery is the Shema. Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God, all right? And so that's central to who they are. And so they're asked, what's the most important thing? And Jesus says, hey, listen, the most important thing I'm here is I'm here to serve my father and to serve you. That's what it is. That's the most religious thing you can do is to do that. Also in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus' disciples, they, they sense that, hey, Jesus is about to... Some good things have been happening in ministry, and they're seeing that the people are beginning to follow, and the crowds get larger and larger and larger. And so the 12 disciples kind of get together, and they say, hey, hey, who's going to be vice president? Who's going to be secretary of treasury? They kind of begin to pick their cabinet positions. As a matter of fact, James and John's mom even comes and says, hey, my, my boys, they're the sons of thunder. You surely need them as the CIA or whatever. They need to be up here, right? And so that whole discussion is going on, and then Jesus intercedes in the midst of that because the guys are getting angry. Like, why should James and John have that position or whatever? So guys being guys. Verse chapter 20 of Matthew, verse 24 and following, it says, When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. That means they were mad. But when Jesus called them together and said, You know what? that the rulers of this world, they lord it over people. And the officials, they flaunt their authority over those who are under them. But among you, it will be different. He's talking to his disciples. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Now listen to this. This is the important part. Verse 28. For even the Son of Man, so he's going to say, even I, God, came not to be served, but to serve others. Even to the point of giving my life as a ransom for yours. That's what it means to love our neighbor. Even continuing on, there's a little different version of it in Luke 22, verse 24 and following. It says, then the disciples begin to argue. Okay, they're talking amongst themselves who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and the great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leaders should be like a servant. Then look at verse 27. Who is more important? This is according to the world standards. Who's more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? By the world standards, it's usually the one who sits at the table. And as a matter of fact, who sits at the head of the table? So Jesus is drawing that image. Even in that culture, whoever sat at the head of the table was the most important. Okay? And so he says, according to the world standards, that's the most important person. However, here's what he says. The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. And he's talking about in the kingdom of God. I, even God among you, is the one who serves. Why else is it necessary? 
In Ephesians chapter 2.10, it says, Because we have been recreated to serve. Look at Ephesians 2.10. It says this, For we are God's masterpiece. In other words, you are one of a kind work of God. All right? And that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. That word anew means to literally be a statue or something that's used for regular purposes has been melted down. Another substance that makes it holy has been put in it, injected into it, and it is raised to newness. So what used to be for unholy is now holy. All right? So in Christ, you're his masterpiece, and he's created you anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So you can do good things that he planned for you a long time ago. So in other words, before even all of creation, he knew you and he formed you. He knew that hairs on your head or how many you don't have. And he knew that in the newness of Christ, the plans that he has for you. Because he's uniquely shaped you. You have a unique heart. You have a unique mind. You have a new, unique passion and all these things. He's uniquely created you for this season, for this time, for his purpose to build up his kingdom and his church so that one should come to know Jesus because of you being recreated. So not only are we most like God the Father and like Jesus when we do what we're recreated to do, but serving is actually a gift. I can't tell you how many times, it's 100% of take the stats, but how many times taking someone on a mission trip and the intent, you hear people say, man, I can't wait to bless whatever, to be a blessing. We're going to go to, to this country or we're going to go to this neighborhood and we're going to do whatever. We're going to be a blessing. And every single time we come back and we're like, hey, what's the report? The report is I was blessed more than I was a blessing. And it's God's math. Listen, serving is a gift. And so two plus two in God's economy never equals four. If you invest in God's kingdom, whether that's financially, whether that's your time, your talents, your gifts, God always blesses more. I don't understand. I don't know why other than to keep us coming back. It's kind of like the science of of the lottery machine, right? Or the slot machine. People go, they get to the slot machine. And why do they, even though they've paid a dollar and they only won 50 cents, they think they've won. Have you thought about that? You put in a dollar and you win 50 cents and you're like, yeah, I won. That's the lie. Right? The gift of God, his economy is every time you put 50 cents in, you get much, much more in return. There's no lie. It's all truth. The truth will set you free. So serving is a gift. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and verse 11. It says this, in his grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Not half well, but well, completely good. And then in the next part of it, verse 11, it says, So therefore, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. It's a gift. God has gifted you. You get to do these things. And so don't be lazy. Invest all of yourself in it, and the reward will be great. First Peter 4, 10 and following. God has given each of you a gift. In Christ, each of you have at least one spiritual gift, and it's from a variety of spiritual gifts. You can look, there's passages and there's tons of gifts. So even if you look around this room, every single person in this room, if they're in Christ, has a gift 
for them. And then you take that gift that God's given them as a spiritual gift and you take their personality, you take their heart, you, all these different things. And how God wants to make all of that work together in the body here so that we as Crosspoint can fully function in LaGrange and in the community. And we're seeing that happening, right? So God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another here, but also outside, to even serve our neighbors that may be our enemies. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. So that means that there's an extra supply. Then everything you will do, bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Then look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Paul's asked the question, what about these spiritual gifts? And Paul says in verse 1, he says, Well, regarding your question about the special abilities that the Spirit gives us, then you jump down to verse 4, and it says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. All right, so God has resourced them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who works in all of us. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Why? So we can help each other. As a follower of Jesus, each one of you has a spiritual gift. Now, you also have sanctified abilities like Tim up here leading worship. You don't usually see Tim up here leading worship, but he can kind of sing, right? Kind of play the guitar. This is not his normal job. His normal job is rebuilding houses and doing stuff like that. But God has sanctified a talent of playing the guitar and whatever and singing in the shower. And it works right here, right? Because his desire is to kavanah, to have his heart and his mind directed toward the kingdom. And he's taking us with him. So he's worshiping. We just get to be a part of it. Right? Even Dylan over here. First time Dylan's been up here. Dylan's playing the cajones or whatever those things are called. And he's playing that first time up. And his job is not to do this. He's not standing on the street corner in LaGrange, beating out a beat, handing out a beat so you can throw pennies at him. He's doing windshields and all kinds of other stuff. And their talents and their skills and how God has uniquely shaped them has been sanctified for the body. And you and I have skills and talents and gifts and heart bents and and stuff, and God sanctifies those for his kingdom and for his work and for his purpose. All for the kavanah, that our hearts and our minds might be directed toward him. So serving not only is necessary, not only is it a gift, but also serving is work. You know what I do on Sunday, Sunday afternoons? I nap. I tell people I'm going to go watch the Cowboys game. I haven't watched the Cowboys game in a long time. Thank the Lord. I think I'm going to become a Chiefs fan, actually. I'm giving up. Hey, listen, quarterback's from Texas. Anyway, it's hard work, okay? Even look at this in Ephesians chapter 4. Serving is necessary. Serving is a gift. It's a joy. You get more back, but it's, it's work. Look at this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church, and this is just some of them. Paul's talking here. He's given us apostles. He's given us prophets. He's given us evangelists. He's given us pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to do what? Is to equip God's people, you. So one of my main responsibilities is just to equip you, to give you tools in your toolbox so that you can be all that God's called you to be in the kingdom work, all right? So you can do your things where God has gifted you. And with the ways that I'm, my gift is to help you, right? And so what is that? 
So their responsibility is to equip God's people's work to do his work. Oh, man, that word work. Can we throw that word up there? That passage? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. That word means several things. It means toil. It means struggle. It means agonize. How many of you sign up for agony? But here's the deal. Is that we, in Christ, in our giftedness and in our talents, will do the work of the kingdom, even to the point of agony. Because we know God's economy is not our economy. And we know that the work that we're doing just doesn't end at five. It's eternal work. And so we will toil and struggle and agonize in kingdom work because it builds up the body of Christ. That we are all about so that one more might come to know Christ. So that one more might become mature in Christ. So that one more might take a step toward Christ. That someone that's far from God would turn their eyes away from the land of slavery to the promised land. And they'll begin to take that journey to freedom. And to understand that we are all a part of that together. Using our gifts and our talents to draw people, help God draw people unto himself. Because it's all for his glory. And so I will toil, I will struggle, and I will agonize and use the gifts and talents God's given me so that one more might find home. Verse 13, so this then will continue until, until all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. He makes the whole body, what, fit together perfectly. I mean, just look around here, look, there's no way this could work other than the Spirit of God drawing us together. As each part does its own special work, he helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full. Galatians 6, 9, so then let's not get tired of doing what is good. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. so therefore then always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. So one of my adult jobs, I told you, was to serve at a facility for specially abled. And I'll I'll be honest, that was hard work. It was hard work because you saw clients, part of my family, that their family never came to see them. They wrote them off and just said, hey, that was whatever that was in their mind of their children, those that that just struggled. And so it was their dad to care for them and to love them and and all that. And God had to do a work in my heart, right? Because I took this as his job that fit my schedule. I was a college student. I was a full-time college student. I actually pastored a church on the weekend. And I was newly married, all right? And my wife said, hey, number one, you have to have a job that can feed me. And you need to have a job that has insurance because who knows, there might be a little kid coming along one day. So we had to make sure all those things were cared for. So I took this job. But after a few weeks, it was more than a job. And one of the young men in my family had had him for a few years at this point. One of the young men in my family named Billy. Billy was a young man who, um, he was, I say young man, he was probably 65, 70. It's young, it's getting younger, trust me. Um, 
So as his dad caring for him and, and all the different things, making sure that he ate, making sure that he went to work, all the different things that he needed to do. And actually, while I was there, Billy got to retire. And, uh, but soon after his retirement, it became known to us that he had stage four cancer. And so one of my, my roles at the end of my shift, I worked till about midnight. And one of my roles was just to make sure that they were in bed and that they were sleeping before I went home. You know, I'd put them to bed, but there's sometimes we can act, you know, get out of sorts, right? And normally they lived in, there was two to a room, but Billy, his age and now with his cancer, he was, he was by himself. And so, um, anyway, I was getting word at the end of my shift and he was the last one on that night, particular night that I checked on. And I opened the door, and as soon as I, you know, knock, opened the door, as soon as I opened the door, I was like, things are not right. <clears throat> the stench coming, he had, he had had an accident, and Billy was a full-grown man, and he had, you know, some help with him, but he had, he'd, he'd expanded beyond that help. It was pretty much everywhere, and he was so, because of the drugs, because of all the different stuff, he was just kind of out of it. And so there was a mess, right? And so in that moment, I was kind of like, well, <laughs> I got two minutes to clock out. I could clock out. And no one would know. But the Spirit said, what would you want? If that was you. If that was your child, what would you want? I said, Dad, nabbit. <laughs> and so I tried, you know, there's others working, and I'm like, hey, I, I need help. You know, and most of them are like, hey, I'm clocking out, I'm clocking out, I'm clocking out. And finally, someone said, yeah, because he was an adult, I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own safely. And so we did what we needed to do to get him cleaned up, to clean the, sh- I mean, literally move him from one bed to another and do all these different things. And, And in that moment, so I'm wiping him down. My, my friend, we were doing our best to make through this. My friend had shoved a whole bunch of toilet paper up his nose and was trying to cover over the smell. I mean, it was bad. And I'm wiping his butt. And inside, the Spirit of Christ spoke to me. He said, Chris, there may be there may be no sweeter time of worship in your life than this moment. To do for one what they cannot do for themselves. And that's not to praise you, it's just like, hey, listen, there's people that need us to step into their lives and there's things that they cannot do for themselves. And in that moment, the divine image of God does not make mistakes. God, does, God puts us and places us and uses our gifts, our talents, our abilities to step into people's lives to point them to Jesus. That Jesus said, I came as the Son of God. I had all rights and privileges to sit on the throne, but I pull my chair up next to you and to wash your feet. That you've walked through dung, you've walked through mess, you've walked through dirt and mud and all these different things. And you come before me and I pull my, even when those moments when you want to push your chair away from me because you're embarrassed, he pulls us 
back in and says, no, my child, I love you. I will wash your feet. And that that's our call. Is to pull our chair up to those that think that they are unworthy of being in the kingdom of God. Pulling our chair up and say, listen, I've sat in your chair. My feet are clean, not because of my work or anything that I've done or I've achieved, but because the king of kings sat and washed my feet. May I wash yours. My prayer for us here at Crosspoint is that we are a community that knows that, hey, listen, there's going to be moments where the most spiritual thing we can do is wipe hineys. Because that's the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for stepping out of heaven and loving us so much that you gave yourself as a ransom for us, that you served us to the point of death. Father, that you pulled up a chair next to us and washed our feet even when we wanted to pull them away and even run away from you. You pulled us near. Father, I pray that we, as we've experienced Christ and we grow in our maturity and our understanding of the grace that you've offered us, Father God, may we, in small ways, may we mirror to others the love that you've shown us. And that maybe some way, sometimes, that is doing the dirty, unseen work so that one, just one, may come to know you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. As Tim and Dylan come back up, the next day when I went to work, Billy wasn't there. You never know. In those moments, when the Spirit says go, go. In God's economy, availability matters. Be available. Be sensitive to the Spirit and step in. Don't miss the opportunities to kavanah and to receive the blessing of what God has for you. Let's continue to sing together. Thank you for joining us for the Crosspoint Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Crosspoint Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.